It appears the afterword was written two years after the book was published. That would be 2011. The authors, as a result of Israel's continued success, have been asked to speak about the lesson from Startup Nation throughout Asia, Europe, South America, the US, you know. And what they wanted to do with the afterword was to give answers to the questions that came up over and over again. And they found out that a lot of people tend to focus on the problems. And the authors, while agreeing that complacency is a possibility that would then diminish Israel's competitive edge, they believe that Israel has only just begun to tap its potential and is poised to become an even bigger player on the global innovation scene than it is today. They addressed six questions. Let's speak three. The first being, what's holding back Israel's startup economy today? This was part of what was discussed in chapter 14. First, they talked about Israeli high school students falling behind in international test scores. Universities struggling with brain drain as large numbers of faculty members have moved to the US. And large income gaps between the high tech sector and the rest of the economy. Another question discussed in the afterword is, was Startup Nation a snapshot reflecting a high point for the Israeli economy? And as Israel maintained its mojo, all of this goodness coming out of Israel, the question is, is it sustainable? The authors put forward their strongest evidence for the sustainability of Israel's innovation economy, which can be found in Israel's performance during two major economic crises. First, the bursting of the internet bubble in 2000 and the subsequent tech and telecom collapse of 2001. In 2001, when the Israeli startup scene was still vulnerable, the authors said that many favorable factors evaporated at the same time. The collapse of the peace process, the drop in immigration from the former Soviet Union, the drying up of global venture capital, and the wave of terrorism that contributed in the plunge of Israel's economy. By 2005, though, Israeli startups had bounced back so strongly. Israel emerged even stronger than ever. The second evidence being the global downturn that began in 2008. As for 2008, the economists shared that Israel was one of the last countries to enter a recession and among the earliest to exit it, with only one quarter of negative growth and has been leading all other OECD countries in GDP growth. Why was Israel so little affected by the Great Recession? The response of the authors, in addition to what the IMF credited it to be, they assert that Israel has developed an unusual specialty, an ability not only to cope with, but to leverage all sorts of adversity, be it a lack of local and regional markets, a scarcity of physical resources, and a barrage of boycotts and attacks. For them, the essence of the startup nation story is a country's ability to turn adversity into a renewable source of creative energy. And the final question we'll be taking from the afterward is, Will Israel be able to build more large companies and not just startups? 
And this is a question that preoccupies Israelis in the high-tech sector and government. The concern being that Israel has not continued to produce new large companies since Checkpoint, Converse. The authors argue that people from countries like Brazil, Finland, China, South Korea, Singapore have been coming to Israel to look for answers to a question of their own. Where are our startups? It's not by patent. There are other countries with high patent as well. Which means they're generating pretty good ideas. But you see, ideas are only the beginning of innovation and not the most essential part. It takes a tremendous amount of time, energy, and hard work to turn a great idea into a viable company. And most startups fail, whether they are launched in Israel or Silicon Valley. But there are two other essential ingredients that Israelis have, which is mission orientation and a cultural acceptance of the need to take risks. These they encourage policymakers and business leaders to focus on. Wow, what a journey it's been. And at this moment, I, I would just like to appreciate the effort of the authors, Dan Senor and Saul Singer, in putting this story out. And the publishers, 12, were told that this guy's only published 12 books in a year. Very precise vision. You see. So right about now, I'm just going to be um, expanding on some of the lessons that we can begin to use from this book. Aside all that I've already mentioned. So let's highlight a few. Let me quickly share a lesson for book authors and writers. Do you realize that the ideas that were exciting and mind-blowing as at the time of writing your work or researching your work might be outdated in a decade or less? What should we then do? There is a need to write prophetically. And let me break that down. It means write with the future in mind. Change is a constant thing. You must ask yourself, what will this story look like if things were to change? If we are to look in the future, how do I correlate that with the present realities of the setting and people of this book I'm writing? May God help us all. Other lessons to share. I'm just going to highlight a few and then explain some others. One thing we would see with Israelis is the fact that they are not consumers, they are producers. And it's said that the greatest contribution of the Jewish people in history is dissatisfaction and insatiable desire to invent, to challenge, to thinker. Only Israel's founders had the temerity to start a modern first world country in that region from which their ancestors had been exiled 2000 years earlier. So what makes Israel innovative and entrepreneurial? We see the clusters. We also see their personal ambition and how it doesn't clash with their teamwork because the story they intend to write is for their country. The fact that there is no leadership without personal example and how the military contributes to creating more battlefield entrepreneurs, improving leadership. We can describe that as turbocharging one's skills. And we see these people experience challenges. 
They're given control of people and resources and expected to make split-second life and death decisions. If you then have an idea, you have a network of support because everyone knows everybody. Another thing we would see is success is best, but failure is not a stigma. It's an important experience. And we see the examples of people who had startups that failed come back to rebuild with confidence because they've been able to take the learnings for their first failed enterprise and apply it in this new one. Innovation is one of the foundation of long-term competitiveness. And the thing with innovation is you can take advantage of the innovation that originated elsewhere. But for Israel, their corporate and national advantage is being the source of innovation. And so we must be intentional about being the source of innovation. What I would like to highlight is the mandatory voluntary national service program. If you have that in your country, the focus should be that it is sufficiently challenging that it would give people leadership skills, mission-oriented skills, increase social solidarity. And here, you have something called the National Youth Service Goal. What are the recommendations I'm making today? Um, the NYSC has been in existence for a really long time. This is a criteria for acceptance into the world of work in the country, mostly. And that's what most people see it as. So you go to serve because you need... You need a certificate to be able to work in a lot of instances. I ask, this organization has been in existence for what? For some 50 years? What value are they delivering to the Nigerian economy and society? Isn't it high time we began to reassess? And I'm asking, what if we have the NYC model? As soon as students are done with their WASSCA, you think... They are not mature enough to go through the rigors. But I am saying that you wouldn't know unless you try it. What exactly are we accomplishing at the end of our higher education? Why is that program fixed at that point and not before? I mean, imagine if students after high school go for their NYSE. Maybe it wouldn't be called that if this is eventually implemented. It's called something else. And then they go for one year and... We are focused on bringing about learnings. We're talking leadership skills. We're talking patriotism, responsibility, how to take responsibility. And then you release these learners into the higher education system if they want. Do you know what you would be doing? You would actually change the orientation from being mere consumers to producers. Before they are even done with their university education, they're thinking of ways to create value to solve problems. A large majority will then be going out of the university to look for jobs. This will do something new to the higher education system. How it's perceived, it will do something for the country. Beyond a reform, we need a revolution. My sincere hope is for individuals to apply all of their learnings from this series on the review of the book Startup Nation to their own personal life and then take it further and apply it into the organizations. But much more, I hope that the right people who are currently in charge of the policies would hear this and take this into consideration. Whatever policy that is currently in place that is giving us the level of result that we are seeing, 
What changes can be made to structures and systems that have, that have existed for so long? They aren't yielding any level of success, but we are just comfortable with the familiar and we just want to do things the way they've always been done. It's time for a change. It's time for a revolution. All right. Thank you so much for listening to every episode in this series, the review of the book Startup Nation. And we are not done yet. We're going to be reviewing the book, The Jewish Phenomenon, next month, all through next month. First, we are going to start with our readings. And then towards the end of the month, we are going to have our public reviews. All right. So do stay with us. Follow us on all of our social media platforms to stay connected. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and share with someone who needs to hear this. This is really important. That's how we spread the word by sharing with others who ordinarily wouldn't have been able to get a chance to hear this. All right. Thank you so much for listening once again. And until I come your way again, stay awesome. Yostrally Amos. Mm-hmm.